Psalm 139 Lord, you have examined me, so you know all about me. You know when I sit down and when I get up. You know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do. Lord, you know what I want to say even before the words leave my mouth. You are all around me, in front of me and behind me. I feel your hand on my shoulder. I am amazed at what you know. It is too much for me to understand. Your spirit is everywhere I go. I cannot escape your presence. If I go up to heaven, you will be there. If I go down to the place of death, you will be there. If I go east where the sun rises, or go to live in the west beyond the sea, even there you will take my hand and lead me. Your strong right hand will protect me. Suppose I wanted to hide from you and said, Surely the darkness will hide me. The day will change to night and cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same. You created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me in such a wonderful way. I know how amazing that was. You saw my bones grow as my body took shape, hidden in my mother's womb. You saw my body grow each passing day. You knew that I was there. You saw me before I was born. All the days planned for me were written in your book before any of them ever began. Your thoughts are beyond my understanding. They cannot be measured. If I could count them, they would be more than all the grains of sand. And when, when I, I wake, wake up, up, I am, I am still, still with you. Wasn't that creative? What's next, the Lego Bible? <laughs> David, the psalmist, has been through discouraging times, and he has learned some things about our Lord, and he is encouraging himself, and in so doing, encouraging us. Maybe he is journaling, maybe he is writing a song, but with these truths that we must keep in mind, God is with us always. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. Where can I go? Verse 7 of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? It's a rhetorical question. How can you get away from him? Or where can I flee from your presence? People have tried it. Some of their stories are in the scriptures. Maybe you've tried it. You ever try to run from God? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you. The are there is in italics. So literally he's saying, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you. <laughs> if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light both alike to you. For you form me in my inward parts. Now he shifts gears 
from geographical presence of God to historical presence of God. Even back before we existed, God was there. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And my soul knows very well. My frame, it's more than my skeleton, but my, my makeup was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, that is a secret place where no one can see, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me. So God's not just present with us in time and space, but he's intentional with us. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still, still with you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that brings comfort. Lord, I pray for every person in here today that the word would feed their soul. Those that have come through a long season of disappointment, bring them comfort today. You're not surprised by what life throws us, but you have solutions to bring us through to the other side. And Lord, with you, we're never going to die. We just leave our bodies behind and go be with you. So Lord, I pray that you would comfort, strengthen, edify, and exhort your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to speak to you today on honoring the presence of God. Who knows God has a presence? This is presence theology. This is sometimes neglected, but it is very much in the scriptures and very much in our life. In the Christian life, there are three Ps that are involved as believers. There's the people of God. You're surrounded by people. This is the church. This is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. So without people, there's no church. We have the builder of the church, right? We have the foundation of the church, but the church is made up of people. You and me who live in the nasty now have been redeemed and are being conformed to his image. So there's the people of God. Some people say, I love the church, I just can't stand the people. Or others will say, I love God, but I don't love the church. Sorry, it's part of the package. Because God is always present and includes us in his being present. There's the principles of God. Another P. His word, I love his word. Lord, may you instill a love for your word in the lives of every person here that they read it and enjoy what they understand and actually enjoy the mystery of what they don't understand. Set us all on a quest for more understanding. Show us the questions to ask and their answers, which will no doubt generate more questions because God's ways are high above our ways, right? His thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are past our finding out. He has left amazing mysteries in the universe to be discovered 
Science doesn't make these mysteries. It discovers them. God is huge. Look at how big things are. And yet God is so small. Look at how the microscopic world has revealed amazing things. I read the other day about a one cell, a cell that is motivated by a one blade prop that spins 10,000 RPMs and moves that way. How do they know that? Amazing detail in God. So his principles help us understand those things that are most important, his word. But today we're talking about his presence, his spirit, his being that will never leave us nor forsake us, that he has made a way to relate to us so that we can know him throughout eternity. So I'm going to just share some things you may know, but maybe you've not applied them deeply to your life. Honoring the presence of God. We read a while ago, Psalm 139.7, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Nowhere. We honor the Lord by valuing his omnipresence. God is everywhere. If he suddenly made himself visible, you'd be blind. Not, not by the light, but just, just by the sheer presence that you can't see through if he made himself visible. So his invisibility is a blessing so that we're able to enjoy his creation. And so we relate to him through the fulfillment of the gospel and the prophecies and the things he's revealed himself through in nature and his word. We value his omnipresence. Jeremiah 23, 23, the Lord says through this prophet, am I a God near at hand? Yes. And not a God afar off? Yes. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so that I shall not see him? Can anyone? No one. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord. So God is everywhere. There's nowhere you can go where God isn't. Go to Mars, he'll be there. Go to the grave, he's there. But the important question is, is do you have a relationship with him? Is he your God? We used to sing a song, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You do great and marvelous things in all of creation, and you're my God too. I worship in spirit and truth, and you're my God too. This omnipresent God, the three omnis, of God or his omniscience, omniscience. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Throw him the biggest puzzle, he knows a solution. His foresight, his foreknowledge blows our minds. He knows everything. There's his omnipotence. He's omnipotent. He's all-knowing and all-potent, all-powerful. And his omnipresence, he is all-present. God is awesome. And that is an understatement. We honor him by treasuring his inner presence. This God that is everywhere, 
There was a song they sang in church when I was a boy about God so great he can hold the world in the palm of his hand, yet so small he can live in the heart of a man. His inner presence. Romans 8.11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead also will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So how do we live? We live in him and have our being in him, and he lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Tell someone, in you. So we need to have respect and honor for his omnipresence. We're nowhere where he isn't. So none of your sins are hidden from him. And he's all-knowing. None of your secrets are unknown to him. And he's all-powerful. All your problems don't concern him. His concern is the relationship you have with him and the state of your soul. And his inner presence is to be respected. You really are not alone. He's not just a God afar off watching you, but he has come to live his life through us. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, For you are the temple of God, and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this not only is a personal inner presence, but this is a corporate inner presence. God lives in his people individually and in his people corporately. If all you have is a vertical relationship with God and not a horizontal one where you relate to people that are also image bearers of Almighty God, you're selling yourself short because God is so awesome, it takes more than one person to reflect him to the world. Like a multifaceted diamond that can refract light in its many brilliant ways, so the body of Christ, the people of God, the church, universal in time and space, reflects the radiance of the glory of God so much more than one person Though they may be very anointed or very talented, it takes us all. So God dwells in us as a people and dwells in us as a person. You see that? That's his inner presence. Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote to this church in the region of Galatia, several churches actually, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So this is a personal living in us. Now, if Christ lives in you, do you ignore him? Yeah, we do. This is a call to action to honor God. We're called to worship him and honor him. And if he's with us, we've got a reason to praise, whether we feel it or not. These are principles that the next level of his presence that I'm going to talk about will help you to apply them. We honor him by treasuring his inner presence. Colossians 1.27, to the church in Colossae, Paul wrote, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. How, how can that be? Who has a cell phone? Whose cell phone is on Wi-Fi right now? 
one Wi-Fi signal, but how can all phones in the room be tied in to the one network? How is that? We live in that reality, even though we may not necessarily understand it. Christ lives in us, which is far greater than any Wi-Fi signal. Who has a radio in their car? Still has a radio in their car. All right, how is it one station can reach individually people? It relates to us corporately as a community and individually. In your car, you can listen to the volume level you want at your convenience, or you can turn it off. So it is God's with us, folks. Turn your radio on. That used to be a song. John wrote in his first letter, 4-4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So in you and I is the greater one. The context of that chapter, the verses preceding this has to do with Antichrist. Antichrist in the world. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? The Antichrist is here. Who gives a flippin' care? He is not the greater one. The greater one lives in you. Who's the Antichrist? There were many back then. There are many now. Who's the Jesus Christ is the question. The word anti isn't just against, it's instead of. Some people are distracted from the real Jesus by wondering on who's the fake Jesus. Hold on. Don't tune me out. Knowing who the real Jesus is, is important because he's the greater one and he lives in us. Myself and yourself and ourselves. He's the greater one, right? Romans ends with some things that he says before he starts mentioning people. He says, be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. In other words, don't get a degree in demonology. Get a degree in righteousness. The good will carry you through. The counterfeit will just distract you. It's my understanding when merchants experience counterfeit money, they study the real money more than they do the counterfeit money. Because if you know what the real is, you won't be misled by the fake. Right? Greater is he who is in you. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We honor God by respecting his manifest presence. This is where his outer presence and his inner presence is made more real to us at a specific time and place. And this can be more so at times and less so at other times. Who has experienced the presence of God? That is his manifest presence. Many of us, I experience his presence today in this room. I can experience his presence at home. I can experience his presence in my office. I can experience his presence in my vehicle. I can experience his presence while I'm picking up trash or whatever I'm doing. God can manifest his presence to me. And so it's, it's a two-way thing. I'm hungering for his presence, and he's got a purpose to meet with me. This is what Abraham experienced 
when God called him to leave his family and go to a land where he knows not, he experienced the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God can come in angelic form or as a human. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. There's not going to be any other Jesuses. It's him. He's the one and only. Can I get an amen? Amen. So his manifest presence is what we're focusing on now. Exodus 33 The Lord had put up with a lot of rebellion in the people he had set free with his presence from slavery. And he was going to fulfill his promise to see them go back to the promised land. And he said, I'm going to send my angel with you. And Abraham was like, no, Lord, we want you. We don't want a representative of you. We want you. And so the Lord relented, Exodus 33, 14. He said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, Moses responded, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If we don't have your presence, we don't need a promised land. Deuteronomy 4, 37. Moses, in reviewing their history, He said to those people in the wilderness that were fixing to go into the promised land, he was going to stop short because of what he had done. He said, he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power. When the Passover happened, God passed over the thresholds, the houses of those that had the blood applied. God's presence. Can we say presence? His manifested presence. We dishonor the Lord by running from his presence. The fall of man happened. The first thing they did was hid themselves from God's presence. Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. And they made themselves clothes out of fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. So God would come through the garden. What is this walking through the garden? This is the manifest presence of God. God's there always. He's omnipresent, right? So he knew what they had done. But he manifests his presence in such a way to relate to us, to relate to them. What is this you have done? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to? Well, the woman... The blame game began right there. The woman you gave me, both of y'all are responsible, gave me, and I ate. And the poor woman said, well, the devil made me do it. Somebody saw the devil the other day on the front porch of a church crying. Somebody said, Satan, why are you crying? He says, they're blaming me for everything in there. In Genesis 4, this is one of the saddest verses in in the Bible. Verse 16, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. No longer to experience the manifest presence of God. That's sad. Jonah ran from the presence of God. A lot of people don't know this. When God gave him the assignment to go preach repentance to Nineveh because judgment was coming, Jonah didn't want to do it. So he arose 
Jonah 1.3, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. When I was a little boy, we had a picture book of this story. And it was a seaport with ships going different places. One was going to Tarshish, one was going to Nineveh. He took the one to Tarshish. Well, geographically, that's not the case. Nineveh was a place to go to on foot. Maybe you could take a boat somewhere, but then you'd have to walk for days to get. It was an inland uh, city-state. He went to get as far as he could away from Nineveh, from the presence of the Lord. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord running away from the manifest presence of God. Then the men, when this storm arose, what's going on? What's going on? Worshiping near God wasn't doing any good. And Jonah said, well, I'm the culprit. I'm running from God. The men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Big question today. Are you running from the presence of the Lord? Are you mad at him? Or are you just being outright rebellious, not wanting to obey what he's called you to do, not wanting to be disturbed by him? Brad Riza was... Uh, the director of mission for Baptist churches in Hood and Somerville County. Years ago, he was a retired Air Force chaplain. And he shared this amazing story with me from his experience while stationed in Vietnam. He said the base where he was, the chaplains had their offices on the same hall, and the walls were thin, and they could hear one another's meetings. And he said, I was next door to the Catholic, the Roman Catholic chaplain. And a young soldier went in there and said, what can I do to get God to leave me alone? What can I do to get God to leave me alone? And this is what he heard the priest say. If you want God to leave you alone, I'll tell you how to do it. I don't recommend it. But you go in to that chapel up to the crucifix and pointed him up on the wall and said, you did that for me. And I don't give a damn. He got up, says, I'll do this. And he took off. And the priest just stayed in his office. So Brad thought, oh, man, I wonder what's going to happen. So he followed him. And he goes in the chapel, and there's a crucifix up on the wall because all the denominations have to share the same room. And the young man points at the crucifix and says, you did that for me, and I don't. And before he could say, give a damn, he took a breath and inhaled a big bug and began to cough and snort, gasping for air, and hit his knees, sobbing and weeping. And Brad got down on his knees by him, put his arms around him, and led him to Jesus. Led him to surrender. The Lord was after him. And he was running from the presence of the Lord, and he thought that it would make his life better, and it almost killed him. <laughs> Are you running from the Lord's presence? 
Are you running from his will for your life? Are you running from responsibility? You're really running from freedom. You're running from a testimony that will bless the world. You're running from your own future. You can apply that. Maybe you're, you have a baby that's on the way, and you don't want to have a baby right now. That baby's unplanned, but if you do the will of God, he will lead you through the hard times and come through, and that baby will be the greatest blessing you can imagine to your own life. Don't run from God's will. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Kerry Newhoff said, God does not run away from runaways. The story of the prodigal son, when the runaway come home, the father ran after him to greet him. God's waiting on you. Make the first move and he will respond. That's you here today. He will respond with open arms. We honor God's presence by enjoying his presence. Oh, how sweet it is to obey him. How sweet it is to encounter him. James quoted some of these verses. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There, when you're worshiping and encountering God's presence, there's a sense of fulfillment. There's a sense of everything's going to be all right. There's a sense of there's more to me than meets the eye. <laughs> Acts 2.28, in applying this verse, reads it like this. You have made me to know the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. So central is this to the Christian life. This is Peter preaching his first sermon, the first New Testament sermon post-resurrection. The word, the gospel proclaimed, includes this verse. You'll make me full of joy in your presence. Who's been to catechism? Catechism is several classes, learning the essentials of the faith of the denomination you may be part of, may no longer be a part of, but the Anglicans have what they call the Westminster Shorter Catechism. They dumbed it down for kids, but in dumbing it down, they absolutely discovered a diamond. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And you don't have to wait till the battle's over. You can start now. <laughs> you can start now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. For the joy that comes in your presence, the fullness of joy. Who's experienced that joy? It may be at the darkest time of your life and you get a taste of heaven, a taste of that which is to come. That is the manifest presence of God. The omnipresence and inner presence of God made real to you at a specific time in your life. We need that something called the bread of his presence. We need his people, we need his principles, but oh, we need his presence. 
Some people love his presence, but don't love his principles or love his people. And they could be led astray. We're called to worship in spirit and truth, are we not? So you need all these things operating in your life as a reality. How, do, how can I enjoy his presence? Well, it starts by having him purify our hearts. Purify your heart. Psalm 51.10, David said, Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. This is our prayer. Do not cast me away from your presence, verse 11, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In other words, seeing God is experiencing his manifest presence. When our heart's not right, God's like, talk to the hand. Peter wrote, husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding manner so that your prayers are not hindered. Happy wife, happy life. Why? Prayers are not hindered. How many prayers are being hindered simply because men were too prideful to say I was wrong and you were right? And it's an understanding manner. It doesn't mean to always agree, but you can agree to disagree. Always need to be willing to do that. That takes a level of humility and mutual respect. And praying, Father, would you please deal with your daughter? Because God is my father, but also my father-in-law. And he helps. He just does. And then you experience his presence without that hindrance. Your prayers will seem like they go past the ceiling. Who wants unhindered prayer? This is for somebody. The condition of our heart is so important. We read this earlier, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The rest of the verse, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this has everything to do with drawing near to the Lord, enjoying his manifest presence. And finally, we encounter God's presence, having our hearts cleansed. He cleanses our heart. We just give him our heart and say, Lord, please purify my heart. What is giving God your heart? It's giving him your life. Your heart is the center of your being. It's the center of who you are. The unbelieving world will tell you, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Man, your heart will lead you over a cliff. Well, it felt like it was the right thing to do. Guard your heart. Give your heart. Surrender your heart. Say, Lord, purify my heart. And then begin to praise him. I mean, it's... It's almost a no-brainer, but with a cleansed heart that he cleanses, he accepts praise from that kind of heart. Psalm 22.3, you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. I think the King James says he inhabits the praises of Israel. So where is his manifest presence? In our worship, in our praise. Psalm 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Can we say gates? And into his courts with praise. Can we say courts? Gates and courts. This is his presence. And we do that with thanksgiving, thankfulness, and praise. We did that here today. 
Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. As the praise team comes forward, I want to ask you, where are you at with the presence of God? Where are you at as far as your heart is concerned? Have you given him your life? Have you surrendered your heart? Have you asked him to cleanse, clean out the malice, any form of wickedness? God sees it. He's not blind to it. He doesn't wink at wickedness, but he calls us to repentance. Lord, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts today. Wash away every ounce of maliciousness, every drop of bitterness, every hint of envy, Lord, we need your help because we want to praise you and enjoy you forever, starting now. In Jesus' name.
shared some principles of his presence and we shared about his presence these two things are very real very real and you're with the people of his presence you're real we're dealing with reality folks one Sunday we had a guest with us who was fresh out of jail his heart had been purified and he came to me after a service he said while we were singing He says, I couldn't see it, but something the size of, this is what he said, the size of Delaware came in the room just above our heads. What was he talking about? The presence of God. He is so vast. Our minds can only begin to think about scratching the surface of the subject of almighty, awesome God. And when we magnify him, we don't make him bigger than he is. We actually are correcting our vision of who he is. Praise and worships like glasses helps you see more clearly. And may you encounter his presence and walk in the reality of his omnipresence and enjoy his inner presence beyond just Sunday morning or when we're in the corporate gathering. But daily, may you and I be people of his presence. Now we conclude this part of the service, and sometimes this is when the service really begins. Because you're surrounded by people. Don't run from them. Greet them. If you're going out to eat, see if they're going out. If they're not, then invite them to uh, join you. If you can't afford that, then ask what takeout they like and invite them to your house and have takeout or go Dutch or whatever, but enjoy the people of God because we're living in such a day and time, being a Lone Ranger Christian ain't going to cut it. It's not. Proverbs 18.1 says, a person who isolates himself rages against all wisdom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May his peace be tangible in your life at whatever level that is. And Lord, I pray that if anyone needs to know you're bigger than Delaware, 
May they know it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're worthy of it all.